get toughened up. Well, amen. Tonight we're going to turn our Bibles to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. My, it's sure been good. It's sure been good this weekend to be here and uh, to be part of this. I <clears throat> Four bishops were on a plane, and during the flight, the pilot announced the loss of one of the plane's engines. No cause to worry, the pilot explained. We have three good, en- three good motors work- that are working. An elderly woman asked the stewardess, Are you sure there's no danger? The stewardess replied, No danger, ma'am. Besides, we have four bishops on board. After some thoughtful considerations, the elderly woman mused, Hmm, I think I would rather have four motors and three bishops than to have three motors and four bishops. I suppose all of us have been at a place that we didn't want to be. We had to put up with ever so much that we did not like. You been ever there? We were made to stay longer than we wanted to stay. We were tested to the very limits of our endurance. But finally, perhaps it was suddenly, by a turn of events, some would call it coincidence, but we don't believe in coincidence, do we? We believe in divine appointments. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast on, for the Lord upholdeth him with his right hand. And suddenly there was a change, and it was for the good. And we came out of a bad situation. How exhilarating. It felt so liberating. It's almost like a new lease on life has been given us. This new appreciation of life in better circumstances made all the previous misery and suffering worth it all. There's a hymn that we sing, it's worth it all. I, I, thinking also of Paul when he said, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worth it to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I like that in us part. It's one thing to talk about the glory of God in a million miles away from here, but the in us, that's pretty special. Pretty special. Today, I want to preach from a story that I think illustrates this so beautifully. The story of Mephibosheth leaving Lodibar. Going from Lodibar to the king's palace. It truly is a rags to riches story. So the title of the message tonight, Goodbye to Lodibar. Let's read here in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting with verse 1. And David said, Is there yet that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness of Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there yet, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, 
in Lodibar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. He bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and all his house. If you'd been asked to evaluate Mephibosheth's life a day or two before this, if you were asked to, to assess Mephibosheth's life and situation, I reckon you'd probably say he's the most unfortunate man. It's just so sad what happened in his past. A lot of it he couldn't help. But he's just got a sad history. It seems some people have that more than others. He was crippled on both feet. That happened when the nurse, when he was age five years old, had carried him out trying to protect him from the ones that were killing Saul's sons, all his descendants. I mean, that's King Saul was killed on the battlefield. Jonathan was killed on the battlefield. And then they went after all the others. Also, Mephibosheth lived on charity. He lived in Maker's house, and Maker probably was a very fine gentleman that just had mercy on him. But let me tell you, real men don't like to live on charity. Real men like to make their own way. So this was not preferential to him, but it was probably he didn't have another choice. The real man is most distaste, distasteful to live off of others. And that's the way it should be. In, in our United States government takes the dignity away of men when they provide for their families in cases where they could provide for them. But they take their place, takes their dignity away. Men without dignity will commit crimes that wouldn't commit crimes if they would have their dignity. And so, being self-supporting is the hallmark of real men. Number four, he was a lifetime cripple. That's different than being temporarily crippled. If you have to complain, uh, don't, don't do it to someone who's worse off than you are. How many times have I had Somebody come up on crutches. I said, oh, what happened? You're on crutches. Oh, they'll say it's been tough. And you know the doctor said, I'm going to have to be on these for six weeks. Can you imagine? I can't stand them. I like to throw them away. For six weeks, you'll be on these. That's horrible. You know, <clears throat> I can think of a time I'd been so glad. The doctor said, in six weeks, you can throw this brace on the side and you'll be everything's fine. 
It would have been good if it said in six months, you'll be okay. How about six years? In fact, quite a while ago, if it had said six decades, it would not be over. I'd be all right. After I was 60, 65 years old, I'd be, I'd be fine. And by the way, I'm, I'm not older than that. You don't need to know how much older. <clears throat> so I, can you imagine that uh, Mephibosheth lived perhaps under a stigma, being abnormal? Oh, it just makes me nervous to be around people who are just not normal. By the way, all of us have got some abnormalities as far as God's concerned. I just think it's a disgrace. Those people, they ought to keep him at home. And Mephibosheth felt the fact that the fact that he said, I'm as a dead dog. Now, a dog in the Old Testament, don't get me started on dogs, but anyhow. I'd rather talk about horses. But a dog was dis- was a disgrace. We was disgraceful, and a dead dog. <laughs> that was really bad. That was really bad. <clears throat> Saw a dead deer beside the road the other some time ago. There was a sign beside the dead deer. Knew too much about the Clintons. But I'm saying it was, it was a mighty dark cloud that Mephibosheth lived under. Surely a debilitating discouragement. His was a condition rife for living in depression. As he contemplated on the untimely death of his father and his grandfather, all his brothers... I wonder if there's times he said, I wish they got me too. Speaking of being a cripple, Mephibosheth was a cripple since he was five years old. I've been a cripple since I was, just before I was three years old. Hmm. I'm wondering if we might have experienced some similar emotions. Like uh, the pain of being different. This started when I was quite little. Because I look at all the other little boys that could run and jump and play, and I was the only one that couldn't. I didn't want to run faster than the others. I just wanted to run like that. Being different, we don't like to be different than others. It's amazing what people do in order not to be different. They copy their neighbors that they don't even like, spend money to try to keep up with the Joneses, which they hate, just not to be different. I wonder if Mephibosheth might have wrestled with the why question. Why me? By the way, if you wholly trust in God, there's no need to have all the whys answered in your life. Can I tell you that? Just trust in the Lord. One day he'll reveal everything. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things he hath revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we might keep all the words of his law. And what goes beyond that you don't need to know. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. 
and he will, he will reveal his covenant unto them, the ones that fear the Lord. What he doesn't reveal, we don't need to know. And so, if you wholly trust in God, there's no need to have all the whys answered of your life. Don't you think Job had some why questions? Air all these things happening at the same time. In fact, his three friends that were not so friendly, they said, surely there's something wrong with your Christianity, Job. This thing would all happen to you. There's something wrong. God doesn't like you. But, and Job struggled with questions too. He wished that he would have never seen the, the day of birth. But he came to this place that I would like to be. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That is unreserved trust. Trusting all the way. I wonder if Mephibosheth might have felt sorry for himself. <laughs> Can I tell you, feeling sorry for yourself is such a waste of time. I mean, if you want to feel sorry for yourself, feel, uh, feel, if you want to feel sorry, feel sorry for somebody else. It makes them feel good. Just tell them, I wish somebody would feel sorry for me that, and nobody feels sorry for me, so I'm going to feel sorry for you. See how that works. It's such a waste of time because the truth is if we look around, we'll always see others that have it worse than what we have. They're, they're, they're just, they're around. I wonder if Mephibosheth struggled with jealousy. Ooh, that's a red hot potato that'd be left, better left alone. Because covetousness is a sin. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things he possesseth. Take heed, in other words. Be careful. Here's one that I'm pretty sure that Mephibosheth dealt with because he said, a dead dog like me. Handling rejection. Nobody likes to deal with rejection. I'm told that the psychiatrist will tell you today that the one thing they deal with the most in people is people feeling rejected by their peers or their family or their loved ones. Rejection is a terrible thing. I believe, I, I think it's a wonderful thing that Jesus Christ tells us we are accepted in the beloved. Isn't that wonderful? Accepted in the beloved. So, Ephesians says that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And don't miss the in beloved, it's in Jesus Christ. Not accepted because we deserve it. Not accepted because we excelled so much, we're so good. No, we're accepted in the beloved because of what Jesus Christ did. I wonder if Mephibosheth struggled with fearing the future. What's going to happen in the future? Who's going to take care of me when I'm old? When I was a young teenager, I suddenly came to the realization that as an Amish boy, being crippled, no girl would ever agree to marry me because the Amishman's manhood is measured strictly in muscles. 
That's how they provide for their families. I think it was so such a wasted thing of worrying about that because I prayed that God would God would one day find me somebody that would love me. And God gave me a lot more than I expected when God gave me Miss Ida. I would like to tell you that whole love story, but you'd be it, it would take too long. And I know you guys are you 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 love preachers that preach with the sermon ends close together. <clears throat> so but fearing the future. I'm sure he struggled with that. And as we get older, folks, isn't it true? The older we get, the more um, unsure we are of ourselves. In fact, now I walk a lot more carefully than I did. Why? Because I'm, I'm unsure of my steps. And the older we get, the more self-confidence we lack. Time slowly wore on for Mephibosheth. It went into childhood. Childhood yielded to adulthood. And life was a drudgery. N knowing that Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, was a godly man, I do believe that Mephibosheth was God-fearing. I assume that. I wonder, one day, a stranger from the king's court came by and knocked on their door. I bet Mephibosheth saw through the window and saw this is from the king's court. This is somebody from the king's palace. And he maybe sent a servant to the door as he hid behind the wall. And the, and the king's messenger said, I've come looking for Mephibosheth. Now, what do you think Mephibosheth would have thought? What's the first thing that went through his mind? that the king's messenger would want with him. All my brothers were killed by the authorities. I know what they want. I'm next. A message from the king? He said, I've got a message for the from the king. And he wouldn't tell him what it was. Oh, no. This is horrible. This is terrible. This is absolutely awful. King Saul's only descendant the only descendant that was not killed has now been found out. And they're ready to come and take him. Let's read a couple verses here again. Verse 5. Then the king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. Did you stop to think? Sometimes it's okay to let our imagination play around a little bit with these words. How did he, when he left home, how long do you think he hugged to his wife and hugged his kids before he left? He said, this may be the last time. Now he comes before the king. And, he's, and, and, and David said, Mephibosheth. He said, behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. <laughs> Why do you think he said fear not? Because I think Mephibosheth was standing there with eyes as big as golf balls. I mean, maybe he was already completely pale. All the color drained from his face. Scared to death. And, and David said, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't fear. That's why he said fear not. 
because he was scared to death. He said, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land. By the way, <clears throat> when you come to the word all, you need to stop and look, consider. You know what all means? All means all. That's all that all means. We need preachers telling our people what words mean. <clears throat> so, now, he tells him, this brings him these very good news. But you see, he said, fear not. Did you know there's 365 fear nots in the Bible? Enough for what, one for every day of our life, uh, of the year. But for David, it had been all planned out. The king had it all planned out what's going to happen. You reckon King Jesus has got your life all planned out too? You think, you, you reckon we would get pretty much excited if we could see some of the things that have been planned out for us? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again to receive you into himself, that where I am, there you may also be. Why isn't he coming back? He's making heaven even more beautiful than it was before, I guess. It's not quite ready yet. But he always planned out he would eat at the king's table. So, I, I had to think of this. Did you know when Jesus, at the last supper with his beloved disciples, the night when he instituted the Lord's Supper, observed the last Passover, they were eating. The Bible says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Obviously, that was symbolic because Jesus was still alive and it wasn't his actual physical body. And then he said, he took the cup. He said, this fruit of the vine, this is my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The blood of Jesus is what washes away our sins. But here's what I want you to catch. He said, take ye drink all of it. For I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine till I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. How exciting is that, folks? And he told us to observe it until he comes back. Shame on you folks that don't even bother to come when the Lord's Supper is observed in church. Yes, for Mephibosheth, this indeed was too good to be true. Living in Jerusalem, abiding in the king's palace, goodbye, Lodibar, hello to the king's palace. Likewise, to us, Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. All the land was restored. What a beautiful picture of our redemption. Listen, the devil came and stole things from us. Stole it. And Jesus is going to restore it one day. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, we too have been crippled, all of us, spiritually speaking, by the fall of Adam. By the fall of Adam. Yes, that leaves us spiritually poor, blind, lost, in the pit. As David said, he brought me up also out of the horrible pit. David was, was raised in a religious home. 
by God-fearing parents in a, in a, in a theocracy, a nation under God. And yet he said he brought me up out of the horrible pit. That's how all of us get saved out of the horrible pit. Praise the Lord. We too have an invitation from the king. Hallelujah. Jesus stood crying. In, in John 7, 37, he stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. How hard is it to open the door? By the way, when somebody knocks on your door, it is automatic for us to go open the door. In fact, if you don't open the door, it's because you have willed not to open the door. You took a peek and saw it's a predator of something and you're not going to open the door for it. But you do it on purpose. And I'm telling you what, these people that don't open the door to Jesus are doing it on purpose. And they cannot someday make excuse and say, well, I didn't know who it was. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opened the door, you don't have to bring him in. Just open the door. And he said, he'll come in. And now, oh, goodbye to Lodibar. Hello to the king's palace. Now he'll be living with the king. He'll be living for the king. He'll be living by the king. He'll be living because of the king. All the problems, all the suffering are now most significant. It doesn't matter. Somebody said, what have you been going through? I mean, think about your bad past. It don't matter no more. It don't matter. That's exactly what Paul was saying when he said, I reckon the sufferings at the present time are not worth to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. He said, uh, he said, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. In Christ. That's beautiful. And so that's why we sing the hymn. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Aren't you glad I'm called to preach instead of sing? <clears throat> But I thank God for this little old crippled body that I have that gives me a ticket to be born again. You can't be born again unless you were born once. That's why I'm so glad for a body, an earthly body. And by the way, this is the only body I have till I get the glory. And it's the only body I have that gives me a ticket to live in this beautiful world. And, uh, and since uh, I, I mean to preserve it as long as I can. Somebody said salt and sugar are good preservatives. <laughs> Deductive thinking would say, eat plenty of salt and sugar and it'll preserve you. Now my wife doesn't agree with that. <clears throat> How silly it is to fret and to worry about our physical needs and our future. It's an insult to God after he promised, be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. 
God says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, before you run away with that and say, oh, my goodness, I'm going to love Jesus a little bit, and he'll give me all the riches and all the stuff that I want in life. No, he'll give you a new set of desires, desires that will be pleasing for him. And he can meet. By the way, if God gives you desires, they're right desires that can be fulfilled to your fulfillment. If the devil gives you desires, there are desires that will lead you to ruin. There's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear had torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. What a change from Mephibosheth. To live in the presence of the king is to know the power of the king. Oh, once again, folks, I'm afraid too many of us preachers, and I'm including myself, operate outside the power of God. God wants us to know his power. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongs unto our God. God, the God of Israel, is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Jeremiah marveled at it. He said, oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched our arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. That's why it's such a crime to teach our young people the doctrine of evolution. You say doctrine? Yeah, it's a doctrine. Demon doctrine of evolution. Because it takes away from the significance of God. God, the creator of all things. And once, you, once our young people believe that, they have not a problem to believe that God works in their life. And if you tell them not to believe the book of Genesis, it'll just be a short step for them not to believe the book of John and the gospel. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, to have the power of God. This is why, this is why Paul longed for, prayed for the power of God. He said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, in order to have that power, he said, and the fellowship of his suffering, he was willing to suffer with Jesus to have that power, being made conformable unto his death. Those last parts, uh, really not things that are pleasing to the flesh. Let me ask you a question. What would you think if a Mephibosheth would have said uh, to the king's offer? Well, your majesty, that's very kind of you to make that offer. But I, I, I guess I'm staying in Lodabar because I, I just can't give up my drinking buddies. We have such a good party life every weekend. I know we suffer the first three days of the week of, of the new week, but by the time the weekend comes, I just, there's just something that pulls me back there. You know, such folks love darkness rather than light. They find a twisted satisfaction in being miserable. I, I, I don't understand. They actually seem to want to wallow in the gutter. Strangely, in their perplexity, They'd rather stay defeated, demented, distorted, devastated, debilitated, disgusted, and destroyed. I suppose there's some more D words that I didn't say. But choosing rather to stay in the mud, the mire, the muck, and the misery of living in sin. Don't you know sin will take you further than you want to go? Don't you know it'll keep you longer than you want to stay? And I'll guarantee it costs you a heap more than you ever want to pay. 
That's sin. In fact, the king's crowd, the king's crowd makes the ungodly quite miserable. We've seen it in church. I mean, we're preaching away, brother, and there's people on the edge, and they're just, they're just drinking it up, and there's others there that, when are we getting out of this place? They're miserable. And that's why they say stuff like, stupid stuff like, well, if I go to church, the roof would probably fall in. Yeah. Preacher, I would, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I would like to come to church next Sunday, but I just, I'm not a person to make promises because I don't believe in breaking my promises. And so I can't promise to come to church next Sunday because I just, I'm very strict about that. Oh, but they make doctor's appointments all day long for a month ahead. And I tell them, you know, I might not be in church next Sunday either, but I'm committed to go there. Would you be committed to go? If you can? Not providentially hindered? It's the same crowd that use the same worn-out excuses today. Ain't no preacher telling me what to do. And those very people are doing Satan's bidding all day long. Satan that hates them and, with, and ultimately hurts them. Those church people, they think they're better than us. I'd go to church, but there's where the hypocrites, the too many hypocrites going. Boy, they sure don't have a problem going to Walmart. There's sure an awful lot of hypocrites there last time I checked. I almost started believing in evolution when I just saw the shape of some of those people. <clears throat> Well, praise the Lord, Mephibosheth said goodbye to Lodibar and hello to the king's palace. His life would forever change. He chose the fear of God. He chose the fear of God. Listen to me. The fear of God is not something you're born with. That's why David was concerned about his grandchildren and his children. He said, come unto me, ye children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. If your children have the fear of the Lord, it's because it was taught to them. That's what I appreciate about Ardland Baptist College. The first one of the grandsons to go there only was there for one semester. I was so glad that you didn't say, well, if you're not more serious than that about Bible College, don't bother coming. He came home, he, he, he teared up, he choked up, and he said, Grandpa, I can't believe the godliness of the staff at the college there. They're just so godly. Because he went, he couldn't stay long because he was signed up for the air guard. But because he went, Tanner went. Because Tanner went, his sister went. Because they went, Logan went. Because Logan went, David, uh, David went, and Ivan went. Look, what a chain of events. And it, it, it hung on so little to start with. I'm so glad. So glad for what's going on there at the college. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Yes, they do. Did you know the Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil? That's why you see such evil in our government today. Right. There's no fear of God. Right. And, and the Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. How about this one? Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. You want real blessings? Start fearing God. Take God seriously. But this we see God wants to bless us. The Bible says, Let the Lord be magnified, who hath pleasure 
in the prosperity of his servant. Notice, didn't say saint, it says his servant. Those are serving him. God loves to prosper his servants. By this we see God wants to bless all his followers. So why not join the Lord's army today, right now? There will be nicks and scars and bruises. Paul said we're troubled on every side, but not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast on, but not destroyed. Oh, listen, 10,000 times rather that than to be made religiously comfortable all the way to hell, and that's exactly what's happening in these liberal churches. Making them comfortable. God told Isaiah, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sin. Won't you say goodbye to Lodibar and answer the king's invitation? Because the king has also an invitation for you. Come, to, come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The last part of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible says, the spirit and the bride said, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever that, I thought I'd come. And whosoever that will, let him take the water of life freely. It's free. It's only free because somebody else paid for it and that somebody else was Jesus Christ. Would you come? Would you come? Do not know your name. I don't know your address. Couldn't have it if I wanted to. But I believe that I've got your number. Or should I say, God's got your number. God's talking to you. You're still living in Lodibar. It's a place of hiding. It's a place of doubts. Actually, it's a place of torment. Because it also represents a place of sin on the wrong side of the tracks. Untreated hurts abide at Lodibar. And bad memories, bad memories, hatred, unforgiveness. Whereas God says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So in short, Lodibar is a place of mental torture. Lost people are miserable. They can put a smile on their face above a broken heart. Uh, but the good news is God invites you to bring his bring, bring your broken heart. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and save us as to be of a contrite spirit. Just go ahead and bring. But when you, when you bring your broken heart, bring all the pieces. You put it back together. Yes, would you allow me to be the messenger that brings you the king's invitation to a brand new life. If thou shalt confess the Lord with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth in righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Listen, this is glad tidings of good things that you're hearing tonight. And, and you can get to the king's palace without ever leaving. I say, 
In order to go, though, you've got to let go of your lowly bar. And what, what some people make the serious mistake of dragging, dragging their loaded bar with them. There's some things we want to bring along. 38 years ago, I was stuck fast, deep in the muck and the mire away from God, deeply grounded in a dead religion without hope, without light, and without life. In some ways, my old nature wanted to stay in that lowly bar. There was a cost to letting go. Stepping out in faith, I, 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 for lack of time, I'm not going to do this, but believe me when I tell you, you can try this sometime on, on your friends. Put a blindfold on you, on them. Ask them if they trust you. They'll say, yes, I'll trust you. Now get a chair, put a chair behind them, and say, now, there's a chair behind you, but you may not reach back and touch it. Just put your weight on the chair, just sit down. I guarantee you they'll put their foot back, put their hand back, and they want to touch that chair. They don't want to sit down. It takes faith to sit down without a seat, or to go forward, to step out on faith. My, oh my, oh my. I'm so glad we stepped out on faith. I'm so glad I experienced the glorious presence of the king. The eternal and delicious nourishment from the king's table. Hallelujah. I love, you know what I loved about Brother Rocky's preaching? I mean, it was so rich with the word of God. Because, and he made it very clear, that's where the answer's at. And so, a nourishment for the king's table, the king's love, the king's security. No way could I reject the king's invitation, not after considering that. And that's what, that's what uh, uh, God said through Isaiah. Come, let us reason together. Let us reason together. Any kind of reason would say it's unreasonable not to accept the love of God. No way would I want to return to Lodibar. I can assure you, Mephibosheth was never, ever sorry that he left Lodibar. Both my wife and I have never been sorry that we left our place of darkness. Trust me, you will never be sorry if you just let go of that ugly place called Lodibar. Now the devil most definitely doesn't want you to let go, doesn't want you to leave. But it's a choice. Let's have heads bowed, eyes closed.